Welcome back. It is Mental Health Week. How is your mental health? What are you doing to make yourself feel better? Have you decided to take up jogging? Uh, that might be something that you might try. I will I will say this as someone who just, you know, started to try and get back into running this weekend. Uh, you're going to look silly trying to walk downstairs because right now I'm hobbling around. But that's just part of it because, you know, your physical health is tied to your mental health. And over the weekend, the Prime Minister announced $240 million for online health services. The funding will be used to improve access to various online services such as mental health support. This is Margaret Eaton, who is the national CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association, calling it a step in the right direction, especially considered the, considering the current research on the implications of the pandemic on our mental health. We have some recent data that we commissioned for Mental Health Week showing that 47% of Canadians are feeling isolated and 67% report that they would like to experience more meaningful social interactions in their daily life. People are feeling disconnected, they're isolated. That creates huge anxiety and stress for people. And it doesn't matter how many Zoom calls you're on or if whether you play remote poker with your friends on the weekend, as I did a couple of weeks ago. You know, my son yesterday at a birthday party with a friend's birthday party all on Zoom. They seem to have a good time, but it's still, you know, it, it, it doesn't replace it. And it's obviously very stressful. And and here again uh, is Miss Eaton, Eaton talking about the fact that, you know, just because we have to be physically distanced doesn't mean there isn't opportunities for help. People are in a lot of pain right now, and we want to be able to respond to that. So even though our CMHAs in Toronto and across the country um, might be physically closed, um, the phones are open, and we're quite happy to chat. You know, if you are feeling isolated, if you're feeling worried about your mental health, you can absolutely give us a call. Uh, And keep in mind also that the Center for Addiction and Mental Health has increased its digital network. It has experienced now a 750% spike in virtual mental health calls during the pandemic from March to April of this year. CAMH's virtual care visits increased from approximately 350 a month to almost 3,000 a month as more and more people are taking advantage of these remote calls and these online calls. And to talk more about that and to check in on all of our mental health, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program Marcia Sorota, who's a psychiatrist. Always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Alan. What does it mean when you're seeing uh, clients remotely? How does that change the, the dynamic? That's a really interesting question because it does change the dynamic a little bit. You know, there's something about being in the presence of another human being. And, and we know this, like you were saying, from your son who was at the remote birthday party. It's, it's not quite the same as being in the actual presence of another person. There's something physiologically that is very, you know, beneficial in, in being in actual physical proximity to other people and especially to have some physical contact. You know, boys are always roughhousing, you know, girls are always hugging each other. There's something about being able to touch each other that's very good for the mental and physical well-being. So that part obviously isn't present when we're doing online or phone conversations, but there is still uh, a lot of, of benefit that can be obtained by doing these kinds of consultations. And I would say that mental health is probably the number one 
uh, practice of uh, health care that is so amenable to these new modalities of treatment. You know, in, in my experience, just, you know, talking to somebody about this stuff and just talking to somebody who's actually trained to be able to listen, and, you know, you, you don't think that sometimes you need training to listen, but I think that that is a key part of it. Just having someone, you know, listen just makes a world of difference. It does, and especially if that someone is uh, an objective and trained professional who will say the right things, because as you must know, sometimes people want to be helpful, but because they are not objective, because they're going through their own issues, or because they lack training, they might mean well, but say the wrong thing and, and not be helpful and maybe even make the situation worse. So it's so important that there is greater access to people who are well-trained and who are objective and are able to say all the right things to help the person feel better at the end of the conversation. You know, my upbringing has been, you know, that that emotions are looked upon as, you know, somewhat suspect. You know, know, emotional vulnerability makes me uncomfortable. Uh, And one of the things that I've discovered over my life is that if you don't deal with, you know, your mental health issues and you just try and swallow them down and just, I'll just tamp that down, put a little box inside me somewhere. Eventually it's going to come out somehow. It's going to come out in a different way that you can't control. Yes. Our emotions are as much a necessity for us to deal with as any other, you know, body system. And if we, let's say we don't eat obviously we're not going to be able to do very well, right? Like we have to attend to our emotions just the same way we need to attend to any other physical need. And yes, absolutely, they will bottle up and then they will either implode and we'll get sick or they'll explode and we'll have some kind of emotional problems. So we need to face and deal with our emotions and then release them so that we can get beyond them. But we can't just release them without facing them and dealing with them. That's a very important uh, step one and step two before we can let them go. I'm speaking with Marcia Sorota, who's a psychiatrist. And what advice do you have for those people, you know, dads or moms that, you know, they've got kids and perhaps a spouse and maybe parents or siblings that lean on them, that they're the one, you know, you're the one in the family group that's supposed to be the strong one and is unflappable. What's your advice for that person? I would say that, you know, don't mistake yourself or your role for that of a counselor or a therapist because you're taking on too much pressure and you're not trained and you're not objective. These are your loved ones. And um, I would say that try to get access to some of these uh, online or telephone services for your loved ones and even for yourself if you're starting to feel overwhelmed. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. It is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being a human being. We all need help. We all need support. We wouldn't uh, refuse ourselves medical care. Why should we refuse ourselves mental health care? So if you're feeling like, you know, too many people are coming to you and your own mental health is starting to get compromised, you know, direct them to the appropriate services. And if you need those services, take them yourself because um, there's no shame in having feelings. And being vulnerable is a, a wonderful thing because it opens our hearts and it makes us more sensitive and more compassionate. Marcia Sorota is a psychiatrist. Always great having you on the program. Your advice is always so timely, especially this week, Mental Health Week here in Canada. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to be here.